So great to see you here today. We are kicking off a new series called These Crazy Days. We're in some crazy days, aren't we? We can all agree with that. No one saw this coming, but here we are, 2020. And uh, we are not attempting to solve all the world's problems in the next three weeks, but here's what we want to do. We're going to ask the question and hopefully answer it, is how do we as followers of Christ respond to these days that we live in? How are we supposed to react uh, to all the things happening in our world? And so uh, we're, gonna, we're not going to throw ourselves into the deep end right away and sink or swim. We're going we're gonna to wade out into the shallow end here a little bit. And today we're going to talk about how do we act as followers of Christ online? And how does it affect us and our, our patterns and habits online affect us in return? So here's what I want to do. I'm going to a little audience participation. If you're following online, you can put in your number in the chat box here. But here's what I want to know. How many social media platforms do you regularly use? How many social media platforms do you regularly use? Any zeros in the house? We had a few in the first service. Yeah, we got a zero. Awesome. A couple in the back. Okay. Not online at all. Good for you. How many, one, you have one social media platform, quite a few. Number, how about two? You have two that you go to. That's me, I'm two. Uh, three, there's my, I already asked my kids, I knew that. Four or more, rock star status, look at them, rock star status. That's a lot, okay. Well, so almost every one of us, this is an issue literally on a daily basis, is how do we act and react online? If I asked you, is, is being online good or bad, good or evil? The answer is neither or either, right? It's a tool. It's, it's a lot like a hammer. With a hammer, it's just a tool. And with a hammer, you can build beautiful things. They built some beautiful backdrops here, and our stage is beautiful now. And they use hammers to construct those things. You make a lot of beautiful You make a house to live in. Beautiful things made with a, with a hammer. But you turn this thing around. And a hammer becomes a very destructive tool in the wrong hands with the wrong intentions and the wrong purposes. See, a tool is neither good or evil. And the same thing that you hold in your hands, the social media and the apps and all the stuff that you have on your phone or your device, they are neither good nor evil. But the question we've got to ask is, will we use these things for good or for evil? And... How are the, the way we interact with others online, how is it affecting us? The things that we're viewing online, how are they affecting us? That's exactly what we're going to look at today. And so I've got just four ways. I think that if, if not, we're not careful, there's four ways that actually being online does damage to us. So I call them pitfalls to the platforms. There's ways that we need to be careful about how we interact online. And the first one is simply this. Number one, that being online... Now we have what's what I call cheap authority. Cheap authority. Today, anybody with a, with a camera, anybody with a phone, anybody with a following can, can post something, content, whether it's true or not, whether it's good or not. And if enough people like it, share it, follow it, now suddenly they are an authority. You know, if you're a teacher, we have some educators here in our church. And if you're a teacher, you go through a degree program to learn how to be a teacher and learn principles of education. And then you take a, a student teaching job and you learn on-the-job training. And uh, you get feedback, you get interviewed, you get mentored, you get trained by other educators. And that gives you the resources and the ability and the authority to be a teacher, right? 
Same thing's true. I was talking with somebody working on being a master electrician. They said, listen, I've got tests I gotta take, there's there's certifications I gotta do. I'm working under another master electrician as an apprentice, and eventually I will become a master electrician. I can tell you the same process is really true in the church for church leaders and pastors. You get some sort of theological training, uh, a church uh, ordains you or otherwise licenses you and says, listen, this is someone we see character in and the call of God in, and they are someone that is worthy of spiritual leadership because of the quality and character of their life. And that's the authority. In fact, that's always the way it's been. If you look at our first verse together in Acts chapter 16, it says this. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So here's this guy, Timothy, and he's a young, up-and-coming leader, and he was from two different churches in two different cities. He was recognized as someone with character and integrity and the call of God in their life as someone approved by them that is uh, is an up-and-coming leader with, with authority. Paul takes him under his wing because of their recommendation, and he trains him, and he mentors him, and then ultimately he's groomed for leadership based on his reputation and his integrity. That's, that's the way it should be, right? That's, that's a good process to have in place. But now, today, do you realize anybody with enough followers is suddenly an authority? Anybody, regardless of their character, is an authority? Regardless of anyone of how they treat other people can become an authority. Today, anybody that wants to say anything, whether it's true or not, whether it's good or not, whether it's right or not, can ultimately get the ears of thousands or more people and have instant cheap authority. In fact, um, I read this quote in an article. It said, Americans now believe that having equal rights in a political system also means that each person's opinion about anything must be accepted as equal to everyone else's. Do you believe that? That doesn't sound right. That we give equal weight and equal voice and equal time and equal thought to everybody's opinion. The question you and I need to ask ourselves are who are the authorities that we give voice to in our lives and how do we know that they are trustworthy? Man, that's a question we need to ask across the board. Wherever you're getting information, wherever you're getting input, specifically when it comes to spiritual stuff, but really across the board. I can tell you this, 2020 has been interesting, and there's been a lot of lessons learned through this whole COVID thing. A lot of lessons. Hopefully you've learned some too. One of the lessons I've learned is uh, you need to fact check the so-called authorities. Can I get an amen? I don't know about you, but I just, I, it's a game now for me. Like, uh, you go somewhere, and this is sanitized, but that's not sanitized. And this is okay, but that's not okay. And one week, this is all right, but now it's not all right. Or this is the standard, but now this is the standard. And if you're like me, you're just like, I don't know what is right anymore. I don't know where to get my information from anymore. I mean, it's just crazy, all the misinformation and, and mixed signals we've got through this whole pandemic. It's just crazy to me. Um, in fact, about a month ago, uh, one of the renowned doctors you've seen a lot uh, on TV and streaming, has said, he came out and said, we all need to be wearing goggles. Did you know that? We need to be Because it could get in your eyes. I just thought, what, what, where, where does it stop? I mean, it's crazy, right? 
It's crazy to me. And, and I'm not making this up. I read articles this morning. The CDC has again adjusted the number of deaths related to COVID. Does that, does that not strike you as odd? That they keep changing how many people have actually died from COVID. And all I can tell you is this, is we've got to be very careful about trusting the experts. Not to say, we, we, what, I, what I recommend is that we get our sources and information from multiple sources and multiple places and ask for God's discernment to know, what am I truly to believe about these issues going on? Now, when it comes to spiritual experts, it's even more important. There are people under the guise of Christianity that ultimately are not Christ followers. You realize that, right? There are people that slap the name Jesus on a book and they sell it to you and it has nothing to do with Jesus. You understand that, right? There are people on TV and radio that are preaching the so-called gospel of Christ and it's not actually the gospel of Christ. You understand that, right? We need to be very careful who we give uh, leeway into our spiritual lives. You gotta ask, how did they become an authority? And is their authority based on popularity or is there is their authority based on the principles of God's word? It's a very important question to ask. Now, living as a follower of Christ in a very broken pagan world, that, that is literally the backdrop for the book of Ephesians. And we're gonna be looking at several different passages from the book of Ephesians. They were Christians trying to live in a very sinful culture. And this is what he says. God says to them, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. I want to I land on this idea of empty words. Man, we have, we have so much content and so much stuff out there that there is a bunch of empty words that get through the filter. And I'm talking about things like misinformation, uh, outright lies, um, uh, things that are, are just not true, things that are ungodly. You know, when we follow, share, like, and push out information we don't know to be true, we're ultimately, what it says, don't be partners with them. If we're not sure about something, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I did it last week. I sent out a, a video, and then, I, and then a few, uh, you know, uh, comments later, I realized that that had been debunked as a false video. You know, they doctor videos. You realize that, right? And, and they take the context out of videos. And, and sometimes what we're seeing isn't, isn't actually the whole story or even the real story. And I pushed out something to, to my 14 followers or whatever it was, and it wasn't true. You've probably done the same thing. You know, it's, it's super important that we not partner with empty words. We need to evaluate where we're getting our information. We need to evaluate who we're allowing permission to speak into our lives and understand who they really are. So here's my point. Because, because, because cheap authority is prevalent and rampant in our culture today, you and I must be picky about who we allow to have a voice in our lives. We need to be picky about the people we say are authorities, spiritually authorities about certain key issues in our life. We need to be picky about and make sure we, we get our sources from multiple sources and we fact check and we are people of the truth, not empty words. So it's a danger we all face. There's a cheap authority. We can, we can confront it with the truth. Secondly, if we're going to be people that handle ourselves well online, we have to understand that online there is easy exposure. 
Easy exposure. What do I mean? It is so easy now to expose your heart to things that are evil and wicked and ungodly. It is literally right in front of us. Every moment of every day, as long as you're carrying a device, wickedness and evil is simply a few clicks away. You know, there wasn't a a time not that long ago, if you wanted to expose your eyes and your mind and your heart to wickedness and ungodliness, you had to go somewhere to get something. You had to go somewhere to be in a certain place. And you had to sort of identify as like, I'm a person that is willing to be seen by others to, to, to be a part of this. Not so today. It's in front of us. It's in private. It's when we're all alone. And there's things, listen to me, there's things on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and every single social media platform that has no business in front of our eyes. That it has no business being a part of our lives. That we have no business exposing our heart and our mind to. And there's just certain things we need to stay away from and clear of and not be a part of at all. A good rule of thumb is if you'd be embarrassed to show it to your, your family, your friends, or someone at church, you shouldn't be seeing it. You shouldn't be listening. You shouldn't be watching. Have you ever thought about how those things affect you? Because our culture today says, oh, what you do in your own private and you're, you're not harming anyone and it's a victimless crime and whatever you view online is just between you and it's your own business. Can I tell you something? That's not true. That absolutely what you and I expose our heart and our mind to changes us. It's not victimless. We're the victim. And it changes how we view others, and it changes how we treat others, and it, and it shifts our morality away from what is true to something that is less than God's standard of perfection and good. And so God says something very poignant to that. He says this also in Ephesians. He says, have nothing to do. Have nothing to do. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Man, that could have been written yesterday, right? Isn't that so timely and, and, and poignant to what we deal with on a daily basis? There is light and there is darkness on our devices. There is light and darkness, and, and you and I choose every single day, will I dwell in the realm of light or in the realm of darkness? So God says, stay away. Stay away from the dark. Put up guardrails. Put up boundaries. Uh, Don't trust yourself. Get away from this thing if you have to. If you're a parent, have parental controls. Have ways that you monitor. I'm going to get into that more in a minute. But we should be people that are so uh, serious about walking in the light of God and enjoying his blessing and obedience of knowing him and following him that we want nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. I believe the enemy has created a very powerful tool to tempt us to sin and, and to lead us astray. Don't you believe that? This is a very powerful tool he's created to try to drag us away from the things of God. And can I tell you, if you're in the middle of, you're walking in darkness and there's things online you're ashamed of, my, my advice and my challenge to you is to expose it with the light. That means come to God in true confession and say, God, I am sorry and what I'm doing is wrong and I want to I break. I want to get away from it. I don't want to walk in darkness. I want to walk in your light. And you confess it to the God who forgives you through his son, Jesus Christ. 
And then if you're serious about walking in light, guess what else? James 5.16 says this, that if you confess your sins to one another, you may be healed. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness. But if you're serious about overcoming darkness in your life, then you confess that sin to someone else, someone you trust. And that person says, I'll go to bat for you, and I'll pray with you, and I'll encourage you, and I'll be there for you, and I'll cheer you on. And when you fall, I'll pick you back up, and I'm there to help you say no to the darkness and yes to the light. You know, every single week on Monday nights, we have Celebrate Recovery that does just that. It's for any hurt, any habit, any hang-up that you and I have that's dragging us into darkness. God says, that is a group that is serious about walking in the light, and you can come join them. Then he says, I love this psalm, Psalm 111, I'm sorry, 101 says this. The psalmist says, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? That's, that's his question to God. I will conduct affairs of my house with a blameless heart. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part of it. The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Don't you love the conviction of that statement? He said, listen, I am not going to expose my heart to that which is wicked. I'm not going to do what faithless people do. I'm not going to do damage to my own soul. I'm going to walk in the light. And God, help me, I will no longer walk in darkness. What a beautiful prayer. You know that passage, Psalm 101? Remember when we had tube TVs? We got rid of our last tube TV about a month ago. Oh, shed a tear. Thing was heavy. But back when we had tube TVs, we built these huge entertainment uh, furniture pieces, right? And you stick the big tube TV in there. We still have it. It's still in our living room, and it's full of board games now, uh, which is great, and our flat screen sits on top. But, but we built that thing, and on the side of it, um, there was a glass piece that held the VCR and the DVD player and all that stuff. And this verse, Psalm 101, verses 2 through 4, was printed out and put on that glass. So every time I was watching TV, and anytime someone in my home was watching TV, they would be reminded to not put before their eyes any vile thing. Because there are programs that want to come on your television that have no business being before your eyes. There's even commercials that pop up that we have as believers of Christ no business watching. And the psalmist says, I will not put before my eyes. They've decided before the temptation comes, these are the things I will watch and the things that I won't watch. And these are the people I will follow and these are the people I will not follow. And these are the videos I will watch and these are the videos I won't watch. And these are the things I will put my mind to and these are the things I'm going to stay as far away from as I can. And by the grace of God, when the temptation comes, I call out to God and say, God, give me the strength to choose what I've already said is good and true and reject that which is evil. also had another verse, not only the one by the TV, I had another one in the pantry. And that was 1 Corinthians 15. talks about your body is a temple to the living God. And it was a reminder every time I walked in there, there were certain foods I should eat and certain foods I shouldn't eat. And so I got really good at like doing this and not looking at that. It was up high so I could kind of avoid it and go down to the sugar down here. That sign didn't stay up nearly as long as the one by the TV. I had to come down. That was a little too convicting. You know what? You and I need to ask ourselves, how will I guard my heart from the things that are trying to get in it through my eyes 
and through my mind and my ears? How am I going to guard the hearts of my family? How am I going to keep myself pure in a crooked and depraved generation? Because I, for too long, I've pastored now for 14 years, and I've watched the church of Christ, the church is you and I, and that the people of God have been weakened over the years by the sinful temptation that exists and dwells right here. And it's just been too devastating and too hurtful to watch people get taken out by the enemy and living in habitual sin because of what we see online. So here's what, here's what we need to do. If there's easy exposure to sin right there on our phones, right there on our TVs, right there on our laptop, right there on our tablet, anywhere we turn, it's right there, then you and I must be holy with what we've decided we will view and decided what we won't view. We've got to already go ahead and decide that now before the temptation comes and then call out to God when he tempts us. Thirdly, not only is there cheap authority and easy exposure, number three, if you go online like I do, what I see is a lot of outrageous communication. People talking crazy to each other. People being ugly to one another. The norm online to speak to one another that disagrees with with you about anything is to be a negative, attacking, name-calling, and disrespectful. That's the norm, isn't it? And that's what I see when I go online. I don't know what you see when you go online. You know, social media is a terrible, terrible, terrible format for genuine, authentic dialogue. If we want honest dialogue where, where I am understood and you understand me and then I hear what you have to say and I understand you and we may choose to agree to disagree, but at least we've been heard and understand that social media is actually a very terrible format to do any of that. It doesn't work. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it works online. What I see online is venting and spewing and hatred, and I really believe the enemy has done a wonderful job of pitting us against one another, specifically online. He hates us, and he wants us to hate our fellow man. He hates us, and he wants us to hate the person that disagrees with us. He hates us, and he wants us to hate the person that looks different than us. He hates us, and he wants us to hate however we hate, whoever we hate. As long as we hate, he wins. And we say things online we would never say to someone's face. If we were having an honest conversation with someone else and they were in the room, for some reason we get emboldened because we're through a screen and we say things that we wouldn't normally say and we say it in a way we would never, ever say it. Look what the scripture says. He says, 1 Corinthians 3, you are still worldly. If you're argumentative online, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? You know what? We're better than that. We're not mere humans. We're we're children of the living God, and we have the spirit of the living God in us, and we're better than that. God says you you don't have to stoop to their level. You don't have to argue like they argue. You don't have to get nasty like they get nasty. You can be totally different and above it. And your communication can be filled with things like love and grace and peace and mercy and kindness. And the best rule of thumb I saw in one of the articles I read is we should shoot to be 99% encouraging and 1% corrective. 
if we're going to engage people online. It's flipped, isn't it? Most of the time we're the other way. He says flip it back. It'd be encouraging. Listen to this, Ephesians 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who are listening. Listen, this unwholesome talk, he's not specifically talking about four-letter words, although those are taboo. What he's really talking about is that the way we approach other people and how we talk to them shouldn't be about us. It should ultimately be about them. And if we're going to engage other people in communication, we should be uh, educational, we should be instructive, we can be informative, we can be helpful long before we become attacking and negative and critical. So because there's so much outrageous communication happening online, we have to be ultra careful with what we say and how we say it. We should be people of the truth, but we better make sure our facts are straight. And if we're going to be people of the truth, then we ought to be people that say the truth with so much honey coated on top that it's palatable to people that don't understand and believe the truth that you and I believe. How we say it definitely matters. Number three. No, number four. <laughs> Lastly, because we live in a world with social media, it is such a temptation to waste time. To waste time. Ephesians 5 also says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The days are evil. I mean, there is just something about we can, we can lose sight of what's most important. We only get one time around in a life. We get one lifetime to live. And if we're wasting it on things that don't matter, then we ultimately have missed God's purpose for our lives. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have three great priorities in your life. I don't care what you do or who you are. It's this relationship with God that needs to be cultivated. This relationship with other important people in your life that need to be poured into and cultivated. And then there's whatever you do to be productive, whether that's school or work at home or work in a job that you give. And those three things are like 80% of your life. And if you're wasting so much time online, then ultimately you're stealing away time from something that is important. Something else that needs your time more than this does. Something that needs your time more than a thousand likes in a given day. There's something more important than that at stake. They're probably sitting next to you. See, if you're giving your life to those things, the important things like your job and your marriage and your kids and your neighbor and serving in your church and sharing the good news and spending time with God, ultimately suffer because of it. I read an article talking about the physical um, toll that our body takes if we're online too much. They said that being online too much causes obesity, sleep problems, behavior problems, educational problems, and increased violence. And a secular um, uh, academy, American Academy of Pediatrics, this isn't a Christian organization, they said that they recommend limiting the amount of hours your kids are on screens or in social media. There should be limits. Do you know this is an older study, but back then, it was about eight years ago, children ages 8 to 18 averaged seven and a half hours a day in recreational entertainment 
media. Can we agree that's too much? Can we not agree that's too much? Someone else is raising our kids instead of us. And I got to tell you, we should feel empowered to be the parent that says there's limits. We should feel empowered as the parent. Anytime, our kids know, anytime I want to look at their phone or look at their screen or look at their computer, I have mom has full rights and full access to look at their stuff anytime we want. We should be monitoring what they're watching. We should be guarding their hearts for them. We should be enforcing limits for them. We got a handout in the back, and I want you to grab one if you're a parent or grandparent or a guardian. Uh, some some tips to how to help with your kids online, and so grab one of those on the way out. It's super important. The other thing we need to do as parents is to model. We need to model this. The same study said that the average adult spends 11 hours a day on a screen. Now you say, well, that's work and that's other things going on. But still, it's so easy for you and I to not model restrictions and limits for our kids. To do as I say, not as I do. We need to set the pace. Let me ask you this. The first, what is the first thing you reach for in the morning? Is it this? The first thing you reach for? Why is that our habit? Oh, I bet almost everyone in this room, the first thing you reach for in the morning is this thing right here. And my question is, why is that our go-to habit? I just wonder how it grieves our Heavenly Father that the kids who know Him and love Him are so distracted by something that is so unimportant. It must grieve His heart. You know what some of us need is we need a detox. You know what a detox is, right? You just go cold turkey for a day or two days or five days or a week. Some of y'all are getting nervous. You don't use your phone for a day or two days or five days or a week. And that makes you nervous to even think about it. If that makes you uber nervous to even think about it, you probably need a detox. Remember that family in uh, Little Caesars commercial? Uh, they were talking about they were sitting in like an old cab, and they said, we're going off the grid. And then they said they had a Little Caesars app. They said, we're getting back on the grid. That was funny. I thought it was funny. We need to go off the grid. We might need to get off the grid. Some of us need a lifestyle change. A day or two is, is one thing, and you might need to detox, but you might need to make a serious life change. There may be an, an app or two that you need to delete off your device. There may need to be some serious limits you place on yourself for how much and how you're going to interact with others and with yourself online. And I, and I say this from experience, and I don't mean to make light of this at all, but about five or six years ago, my kids know, my, my, actually my brother got me hooked on this game, but I downloaded a game and started playing a game called Clash of Clans. And, anybody else play Clash of Clans? Yeah, baby. You probably attacked me, took all my loot. That's awesome. I appreciate that. I, I mean, I played, for, I played for long enough, and I spent a little bit of money. My wife didn't know that, but I spent a little bit of money on the game. And you play along. I wasn't good or anything, but I got to like a level 100 or something, you know, and had level whatever town hall my son played. And, and uh, I, I, I got into it, man. Like, it was awesome. And I was playing it, and then I realized a couple years ago, two, three years ago, the Lord started speaking to me about, like, you're wasting so much time on this stupid game. Yeah, I know, Lord. It's a shame, isn't it? Wait a minute, somebody's attacking me. 
And I got really convicted that I needed to delete that app. It was time for it to go. And it was an emotional reaction I had. I was like, not my game. I mean, I had, I had a, affection for it. I was like, I don't want to let go. I mean, I've worked so hard. I put all this time in. And I literally, it took me about two weeks to finally go, fine. It's time to let it go. And it was tough. That's a pretty good sign. It had too big of a hold in my life. Wouldn't you agree? It was time to let it go. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Now, that's hyperbole, meaning using exaggeration to make a point. But his point is very clear. If something is getting in the way of you following God in your life, then it needs to go. And I don't know about you, but taking off an app off my phone sounds a lot better than poking out my eye. So I went with the app. Guys, there's a time and a place to have fun, and there's a time and a place to waste a little bit of time and to download and to relax and to chill and whatever else you call it. But I wonder how much time do we waste that we don't need to waste. Because it's so easy to waste time, limit yourself. Find a way to limit yourself. Be disciplined in how much time you'll spend online. Don't let it influence you and dictate to you. You dictate to your phone and your device how much you're going to use it. Uh, Barbie Porter, one of our leaders in our church, she, uh, she talked about this a couple years ago, and she said, you know, I'd get up and I'd get online, and she told me I could use this story, and I'd be scrolling through Facebook, and I'd just love it because i catch up with my old friends and see what's going on and all this stuff, and she said, I love doing it, but I would do it for too long in the morning, and then I'd have to scramble to get ready and get out the door real quick, and I just didn't use my morning well to spend time with the Lord, and she said, so I started setting a timer, and I would get on Facebook, and there's a 30-minute timer counting down on my phone, and when that timer went off, I knew I had to get off Facebook and start my day. Isn't that smart? That's discipline. That's limiting. That's using it for your purposes, not it using you. Can I tell you something? Your God is too good. Your calling is too great. Time is too short. And your life is too important to waste it on the things that do not matter. Can I challenge you today, church? There's got to be one of those pitfalls that you've fallen into. I can tell you, I've fallen into all of them at a time in my life. And there might be a pitfall or two. You need to decide today, I'm not following into that anymore. I'm going to change the way I act online. Praise God. I pray that you will. We've talked a lot about the dangers of being online. I also want to tell you about the beauty of online, right? Because the tool is whatever you make it, right? Do you know that being online can actually be a beautiful thing too? And Easter this year, of course, for me, it was the weirdest Easter I've ever experienced. Uh, being at home, watching the service online like almost every other church did. And I'm watching, and I'm thinking, man, this just isn't the same. And I miss my church family, and I miss preaching to a live group. And we're watching the pre-recorded, you know, video that we had done for service that day. And I get a message on Facebook Messenger. And it's a lady that we had shared the gospel with years ago. And to my knowledge, wasn't a believer and had fallen away from crossroads, even though she had come for a while. And she messaged me that morning and said, I'm watching the service online today. And I said, praise God. And she said, it's really speaking to me. And I said, well, does that mean you, you believe now in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you placed your faith in him? She said, yes. And I had a little worship service in my living room. I said, praise God. And she says, you know what? I've missed being at church, and I want to come back and be a part of Crossroads again. Can I do that? I said, can you? Are you kidding me? Come on back. Isn't that good? 
that God would use technology for his good and his purposes. That story got repeated over and again as God uses technology to share the good news of Jesus Christ to those who need to hear it. So here's what I'll challenge you. Use it for good, man. Uh, follow our YouTube channel and push out video and, and Facebook. You can share that stuff. Um, we got an app coming in just a few months, and you'll be able to get content literally on a daily basis from Crossroads and share that with your friends and use it and send them podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Find other good godly Christian resources and send it to people that need to hear the good news. That'd be using it for good, right? Now, the last thing I want to say is we're using technology today. We're recording video. We're, we'll be live streaming again in a few weeks, but for right now, we're recording video, and then we're putting it online, and there'll be someone watching this video that, that may not know the core message of Christianity, that may not know the, the basic fact that there is a God who loves them. So I want to speak to them for a second. Humor me here, if you will. That if there's somebody watching online today that doesn't know that there's a God in the universe who created you and loved you and he created you with a purpose that you might be known by the eternal God in an intimate and real relationship with him, then I got good news for you today that God is not mad at you. He's mad about you. And he loved you so much, he did something significant for you. And what he did for you is simply this, because our sin separates us from a holy God. The, the things in our lives that we're ashamed of, that, that, are, that are offensive to a holy God, have separated us from him. That's what the scripture says. Our sin has separated us from our God. And there's no amount of good works that we can do to bridge the gap to the separation to this heavenly father who loves us and wants a relationship with us. And in this dire place that we could not fix, Jesus, the son of the living God, the God that made, became flesh, he came and he bore the sin of the world. Your sin and my sin and the sin of the world got put upon Christ on the cross. And on that cross, the sin that you and I deserve to pay for, Jesus paid for in full. And because he did, we no longer have to pay the penalty for sin, but be ushered into relationship with your heavenly father. That's the good news. The question today is, have you decided to receive Christ? Have you decided to ask for his forgiveness and the relationship you can have with God? It can start today, not based on being religious or being good enough or praying enough, but based on the decision to allow Christ to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins and remove that stain and then follow him into eternity. If you've never made that decision, today can be the day you say yes and your heavenly father becomes a reality in your life. Let's pray right now. So father, in the moment of decision for someone who may be in this room or watching online, this is a holy moment. There's not a more important moment that they get to decide. and receive the love of God into their life. God, convince them that you love them. They might have gone through things that have made them question whether there's a God who loves them. Convince them today that because you sent your son Jesus and willing to let him suffer in their place, that's evidence enough that you love them. God, convince them you love them. And because you love them, you are willing to pay the price for their sin. 
and that everyone in the sound of my voice does not have to pay for their sins for eternity in a place called hell, but Jesus Christ came, that he paid for their sins once for all and took on their unrighteousness and their sin and now can give them a righteousness through faith. So Lord, I pray for that moment of decision right now. If you're ready to receive Christ, to have his death on the cross count for you, to be forgiven of your sins and know this relationship with God that you've longed for your whole life, then simply say, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm coming to you, asking for forgiveness for what I've done, recognizing I've offended you, the holy God. Yet believing Jesus' sacrifice is enough. And I place my faith in Jesus, what he's done for me. Jesus, will you forgive me? And will you lead me? I want to follow you today and tomorrow and the rest of my life, trying to follow you to please you because of what you've already done for me. God, I pray for your church. Each one of us have light and darkness in our palms every day. And I pray we'd be people of the light. We'd stay far away from the evil, far away from condemnation, far away from the conversations that drag others down. God, we'd be careful about who we give a voice to. God, do a, do a renewing work in us and how we, how we react and respond and are affected by what we do online. Thank you, God, for your grace that meets us every single day. We love you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that though we failed you time and again, you have never failed us, and we come in confession. You always renew and forgive us through the blood of Jesus Christ. We give you thanks now in Jesus' name.